Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the promise that we're held safely and securely in your everlasting hand. That we are not our own, but we've been bought with a price. And that you have come in the person of your Son to bring us this gift. Each of us and all of us. And we pray for each other. We pray for all of those in this room who need a special and fresh touch of your Spirit upon them. Physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, relationally. Whatever the area, we realize that there are no off-limits to your grace and to your power. And so touch each heart, each life, each home, each need. Those who are absent because of infirmity or illness or sorrow or distance, be with them and bless them. Be with our Christian brothers and sisters in this city, this state, our nation, and the world. And wherever your name is being worshipped today, we join with them to pray together as you taught us to pray, say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Have you heard it yet? Have you been listening for it? You may have heard it a few moments ago when the children came. You may have heard it when we sang a hymn or when I read some words. Have you heard God's Word today? He's speaking. Are you listening? Are you listening not just to Buckner or a chorale or a service, but in and through all of this? Are you listening for a word from God? For you can hear us and read this book and be in this place and not listen, not hear God. The first and most important thing we do is listen. The first and most important thing we do is listen. Long before we speak, long before we can read, are right. We listen. Possibly you have, as I would encourage any.
couple expecting a child to do. Fathers, to talk to your unborn child in the womb of your wife. They can hear you. Children are born into a sea of words. Verbs and nouns and adjectives and adverbs and they don't know how to define any of them or read any of them or write any of them, but they hear them. And that's how we learn to speak. These little children here this morning are in a sea of words and they will be accumulating in their little fertile brains those words. And one of these days they will say, as Avery did at seven or eight months, bye-bye. Mommy. Daddy. Mimi. Both. And they will begin to put a word that they have heard and it will build within their vocabulary and they will learn to speak long before they go to school. And when we go to school, we learn to read and to write and we take speech courses. But unfortunately, somehow we have neglected to emphasize as adults the most important facet of learning, which is not reading or writing or speaking, but listening. This morning, I want you to listen for the Word of God. The first thing we do is listen. The first thing that God does is speak. He never wrote anything. He inspired some people to write down what he had said so that the record could be kept, so that people could read it, not so that they could just read it, but that through those words they could hear the Word of God. The first thing that God does is speak. Nothing predates God, and everything that is, is because God spoke. He uttered a word, and some heard God is speaking to you today. Far above and beyond the words from these lips of clay, God is speaking eternal words of life through the presence of His Holy Spirit right now in every single heart. A private, personal message from God is being delivered. Are you listening? Three thousand eight hundred times 
In this book, the Bible, you will read, God said. 3,800 times. Do you believe he's trying to tell us something? 3,800 times. King James, thus saith the Lord, God spoke. God spoke. God spoke. 3,800 times he's trying to get his word to you. Listen. He's got a personal word for you. Listen. The word of God. Quick. That means life-giving. Powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of joint and marrow, soul and spirit. And it, the Word of God, is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That means God wants to get inside your body, your brain, your blood, your total life. And He is speaking that living Word today. For where two or three are gathered together in His name, He is there. And where two or three thousand are gathered together in His name, you can count on Him being here to speak to you today. God speaks. In the second and third chapters of the book of the Revelation, you will read seven times, He that has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus used that phrase often himself. Second and third chapters of the book of the Revelation, He that has ears to hear, let him hear. Seven times there alone. God says, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, in the first chapter of the book of the Revelation, he had told John to write. And John had written down some words. But God didn't want them just to be written down, to be read as marks on a page. He wanted them written down so that through those words, you and I could hear the word of God. God will not be reduced to a page of print. We worship no Morocco-bound God. He's a Word, a living Word. And He wants us to hear Him. Not just read about Him or listen to a person talk about Him, but to hear the Word of God. A marvelous book, Eugene Peterson, maybe a friend of yours, Lewis, pastor in Bel Air, Maryland, written a marvelous book entitled Working the Angles. And in this book, along with many marvelous things, he delineates the difference between listening and reading. Well, we're concerned properly so about how soon our children can learn to read. They're already hearing you. Long before they ever learn to read, they are accumulating in their minds your vocabulary, your attitude, your spirit. That's why we need in our homes and in our churches to saturate that atmosphere with the Word of God. By the time they get to the place where they can learn to read, they've already built a basic vocabulary. And if in your home and in your family and in the life of the church family, they are hearing the Word of God, then that language is going to come to them much more naturally and normally and healthfully. Hearing the Word of God, the difference between reading and hearing. Of course, we hear with our ears and we read with our eyes. 
In, in listening, we listen to a voice. In reading, we read some marks on a page. In listening, the act is an interpersonal one, and it requires at least two or more people in relatively close proximity. In reading, one person has a book. The author may be dead a thousand years or more. He may live a thousand miles away. And unless you read with discernment and with the listening ear, you will not hear what the author is saying simply because you read some words on the page because you do not have in that kind of reading communication, conversation. In listening, you must be attentive to the speaker. You always tell when you're talking to somebody whether they're listening or not. You can tell when they vacate the premises. You women are versed to doing that during football season. <laughs> Starting next Sunday, you can sit there and your husband watching the cowboy game. And you can say, I want to buy a new car. And he'll say, uh-huh, sure. <laughs> I'm going to buy a new diamond ring. Huh, whatever you want. He's not hearing you. You can tell when in conversation whether or not there is conversation, whether or not the other person is listening. But in reading, the book is at the mercy of the reader. You can carry it around. You can lay it down. You can forget it. You can ignore it. And the book doesn't come up and say, talk to me. Converse with me. A listener cannot listen by himself. You can read by yourself. In listening, the speaker is in charge. The speaker is in charge. Whoever is speaking, getting your attention, getting your conversation, getting your common union, your communion, you can have conversation. But when you read a book, the reader is in charge. There's a very pertinent point here for effective Bible study, I think. Very pertinent. You see, you and I need to listen to what God is saying through this book and through the events recorded here. The questions I need to deal with is not, not so much about the, all of the history unless through that history I can apply the truth to myself. Why did God talk to and work with and deal with a bald-headed preacher by the name of Elisha? What does that say to me? What does God's conversation with a reluctant, rebellious preacher by the name of Jonah have to do with me, Buckner Fanning? You see, I understand what people say when they talk about we need to get into the Word. 
We need to get into the Word. That's right. We need to understand the Bible for this reason. Not so we can get into the Word, but so the Word can get into us. The Word needs to get into me. And I need to have conversation with God through this book. Not turning it into a textbook or a guidebook or a prophetic book looking towards some celestial day in the future. What is God saying to me now about my nows? Many prefer reading to listening because it's less demanding. Emotionally, easier. And it can be done in my convenience. I'm in charge. You listen? Jesus never wrote anything. Everything he did was the result of his saying, speaking. Never wrote anything. With one exception, 8th chapter of John, when they dragged the woman before Jesus who had been caught in the act of adultery, he wrote in the sand. Isn't that interesting? He wrote in the sand. Before the crowd broke up, the sandals had already obscured it. Or the next rain had washed it away. Why? Because He wants us to hear the Word of God. To hear it down in the warp and woof of our being. To hear it in the control center of our living. To move it from the level of our mind down to the level of our thinking and our willing and our deciding and our choosing. He that hath ears, Jesus said, to hear. Let him hear. He said that in the 14th chapter of John, 14th chapter of Luke, excuse me, other places. He who has ears, let him hear. You've got ears, are you hearing? Are you listening? I'm running out of time, so I've got to hurry, and this is a summary of what I want to say in the next few moments. Now, those of you who understand preachers know that word doesn't mean a thing. Um, that's just the preacher's way of kind of getting his breath and getting ready to start again, but it kind of gives you a little hope. <laughs> it gives you a flutter of, oh my, he's nearly through. No, I have a couple of things I want to say, and then I will be through. The Word of God is primary and it is powerful. It is primary. The first thing that ever happened was God speaking. First thing that ever happened was God speaking. 33rd Psalm, verse 6 and following. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made. Their starry host by the breath of His mouth. Word. He gathers the water of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere Him. For He spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Turn to the first chapter of the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. In beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep like our lives. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. 
And God said, let there be light. Verse 6. And God said, let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. Verse 9. And God said. Verse 14. And God said. Verse 20. And God said. Verse 24. God said. Verse 26. God said, verse 28, God said, verse 29, God said, seven, nine times in the first six days, God spoke. Powerful words. Creating life. Bringing order out of chaos. Form out of confusion. God Spoke. And it happened. God's Word is also penetrating and personal. Listen to Psalm 40, verse 6. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have... I have the New International Version here. Translates that verb... But my ears you have pierced. Who has some other translation? Tell me what word is in yours. But my ears you have what? Opened. Somebody has. What else? Anyone have any other word? Those are good translations. But they miss the metaphor because they miss the verb. The Hebrew verb is the verb to dig. He dug out our ears. So we could hear. But my ears you have dug out. We were like blockheads. We couldn't hear. We dug our ears. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. He knew the law. He'd read it. He'd read it. He knew it. He'd read Moses. He'd read Leviticus. You see, he knew from reading what was supposed to be done, but he had not heard until God dug out his ears. Then I said, listen, burnt offerings and sin offering you did not require. Then I said, here I am. I have come. I now have conversation with you, God. I've heard you. And we now have communion. I've read it. But I've not heard it. It is written about me in the scroll. Boy, you see, he's getting the Word of God. He's finally personalizing it. He's moving it from the historical to the existential. He's moving it out of yesterday into today. Out of somebody else into himself. It is written about me. You're talking to me. I desire to do your will, oh my God. You see, he's in conversation with God now. He's in conversation with God. I desire to do your will, oh my God. Your law is within my heart. How did it get there? He listened. 
He listened to the Word of God. And the Word became flesh for us. He personally delivers the Word through the living Word who said, I quote Jesus, I stand at the door and knock. If any man, what? Say it. Say it. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and have dinner with him. Fellowship, conversation, we'll listen to each other. We'll talk together. We'll walk together. As good friends should and do. Have you heard him? Listen. You don't need to worry about getting God's attention. He's concerned about getting your attention. You don't need to worry about God loving you. He loves you. He's concerned about your loving Him. You don't have to worry about getting God's ear. You have His ear. He wants yours. I carry little Avery around and little Julia around by myself sometimes and I talk to them. I say they don't understand. Yes. It's getting banked away back there. And I say, Julia, Avery, your mother loves you. Your daddy loves you. Your grandparents love you. I love you. I love you more than I can put into words. But Julia and Avery, God loves you even more than I do. And I must confess to you, in all honesty, I know theoretically He does. But I'm not sure I really believe that. I'm not sure I really I really believe that. I'm not I'm not sure that God could love anybody more than I love my children, my daughters in law, and my grandchildren. And I tell them someday when I'm verbally and visibly not present, I want that word been spoken into their little heads and hearts and lives. And they're not hearing that just from me. But I want them to know that I love you and I, that I love you, each of you, Julia, Avery. And I promise you, they don't, they don't have to worry about getting my attention. They've got my attention. And there's nothing more exciting than when I hear Avery say, Bo! Why I'm there. But you're on the spot. 
And if I, being a sinner, selfish human being that we all are, if I can love like that, how do you comprehend the love of God? Fathomless. We used to play outdoors before television. We had more friends and had more fun then. And we had bacon lots near our house, and we'd always play till dark or a little after. Before the days of air conditioning and all, and we'd be out playing softball or football or soccer, whatever was in the season. And I can remember my dear mother coming to the door of our house. I may have been over next door to Robert Ross's house, about 50, 75, maybe 100 yards away, or down the street by Hugh Cathy's or somewhere else. We were playing a game. And my mother would come to the door and she'd say, Butner, supper's ready. I'd say, Okay. I had no intention to move. I was not about to go home. The game was tied. It wasn't dark yet. You never leave. Other mothers would call. Everybody said, okay. Nobody moved. Kept right on going. Got a little darker. Got a little later. Mother would come to the door again. Buckner. Dinner. Okay, mother. I heard it, but I didn't listen. And then it'd get dark. And my mother would come to the back door and she would say, Bugner, do you hear me? That meant it was time to go home. <laughs> do you hear me? If he would walk in that door like you pictured him and he called you by name and he said to you, it's getting dark, come on home, he who has ears to hear here, God is talking to you. You can say no to this preacher easily all day long. That's a simple matter. We're not talking about Buckner. We're not talking about Baptists. We're talking about Christ. It's getting late. It's getting dark. And He loves you. And he calls you. Will you hear him? Will you hear him and respond by accepting him as Lord and Savior, confessing him as your Lord, joining his family to say we want to get his word of love out to the world through our bodies and through our mouths, and through our resources and through our talents. We want to get his word to the world. Will you come be a part of this fellowship? that is committed to that word. Not my invitation, it's his. Not my gospel, it's his. And I invite you today to hear it.